Christmas story is so wonderful and unique in its cast of characters and how the action of God in the world in Bethlehem affected everyone. Of course, there's Mary and Joseph. Yes, baby Jesus on the night of his birth. But there's so many that are affected by his story that the scripture gives us insight into how people that may not be famous, they step onto the scene for a few moments in our scriptural text, and yet their lives are altered forever by the coming of Jesus. Isn't that the way it is for all of us? Today we look at a man who was waiting for a promise, an ancient promise, a king, a messiah, would come to Israel. He saw that promise fulfilled in Jesus. For all of us, God keeps his promises. And the incarnation is the down payment. It is this cornerstone. It is the the centerpiece of God being faithful to all of us, showing himself faithful as he revealed himself in Christ. That's a Christmas story. Let's get into it. And thank you, friend, for joining us at Arlington United. I, I love the Christmas story. Now, most of you who know me well know that Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays because there's no gift pressure. You just eat until you pop and then you rest and eat some more. I love that. Sheila, you, you know, I, I love Thanksgiving. <laughs> Christmas is all of that, plus, did I remember Aunt Ann or Aunt Joe and, and all of that? It, making a list and checking it twice is not my strong suit, so if you got me a Christmas card and I, if I let you down, please just overlook it. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. Christmas has a little anxiety for me, but I love the Christmas story. And the reason I love the Christmas story, and it never gets old to me, is because one of the elements that I treasure most is the effect that Jesus' birth had on everybody in the biblical record. Nobody gets left out. Like we mentioned with Simeon, everybody gets affected, even at his birth. Shepherds were affected. Years later, wise men go back a different way than they came. You've heard that message, no doubt. But... The, the innkeeper's life is changed forever. Herod on his throne has to make different plans because of Jesus. Everybody responds in different ways, but everybody's life changes. I, I, I'm, I don't even mean to be silly here, but can you imagine what it would be like to be that beast of burden that bore Mary? I believe if the rocks cry out, if the hills and the trees of the field clap their hands, if all of creation joins in praise, if a donkey could speak to Balaam and say, hey, dummy, don't go that way. You're going to get whacked. I believe that animal that bore the body that was bearing the body of Jesus could feel and sense a sensation of a holy presence. Even the animals. Can you imagine at the end, all those animals that were gathered around the manger, what it must have felt like to be in the very presence of the one who had created them on Christmas night. Some of the people we see are only heard from once and in passing. To my knowledge, this is the only mark of Simeon in the Bible. The Bible just says he was a man in Jerusalem. 
Just go by the neighborhood, drive by, and just point your finger at one house. That's what it was like. And Simeon was a man who was touched by Jesus coming. In the story today, we get a glimpse of how the Lord's advent affected real people living real lives that were not encased in stained glass stories or accompanied by orchestral arrangements and singing choirs. They weren't living a Hallmark movie. They're just living life. But Jesus coming affected them. I'm going to believe that God came for real people. Yes. Our text today captures that story. Jesus' family is performing the duties that were required for a firstborn son. Understand this. Jesus was Jewish. And he was living as a Jew in a Jewish family. Paul said that in the fullness of time, he was born under the law. That means that it was required of Mary and Joseph in order to fulfill the requirements of, of, the, of the Mosaic law that three things would happen. Number one, because he was a male on the eighth day, he was supposed to be circumcised. That was already done by the time this story is told. But there were two other elements. The firstborn son was to be redeemed. You'll find that in Numbers chapter 18, verse 16. They were to be redeemed. Around the culture of the Israelites, there were many societies that would sacrifice the firstborn sons. They would kill them. And, and, and there was a god of the Canaanites called Molech. And, and they built a, a metal piece of Molech and his arms were outstretched. And they would put fire inside of Molech, the coals from the fire, so that his, his idol would heat up and those, those hands would become red hot. They would take the firstborn children. This, this, is an, this is an extremely unsettling scene. But just to show you around them what was happening, they would take those babies and place them in those red hot hands and murder those babies because they wanted to honor Molech. And Jehovah said, I'm not going to accept that kind of worship. I don't accept human sacrifice. I don't want you to sacrifice children. I just want you to recognize that they came from me. And so rather than sacrificing their children, they were allowed to redeem their children. Rocky, what they do is they give an offering to the Lord. And that redemption offering was supposed to be a lamb. And rather than sacrificing their sons, they would give a lamb that had opened the womb, the firstborn child. But if you were poor and you couldn't afford a lamb, you could give turtle doves. And that's a detail of this story that shows us that Joseph and Mary weren't wealthy people. They weren't Elon Musk or, or Bill Gates. They, they had to look at every nickel twice and make sure that they were scrimping and saving. They had to cut their coupons if they would. My, my mother had a nylon Fred's thing that was stuffed full of coupons. And she'd go to the store and the, 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 her favorite day that I can recall in high school is the day she would go in and she'd wink at me and she'd say, they paid me to pick, to pick these groceries up. Some days she got double coupons and found everything on sale and they actually gave her money back. It was like shoplifting with a bonus. But my mother kept us fed because she was uh, not frivolous with money. I can imagine that Mary had to, I'm sure they didn't have coupons, but she probably had to, take the fish that weren't today's fresh catch. She probably had to take some bread that may have been a little bit stale, Brother Mullins, because they were a poor family. And here they are doing this, but in the middle of all their, their filling the obligations, there's a man who has spent his entire life waiting on a promise. The Bible says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What was the consolation of Israel? They expected a king to come. A king to come. It had been prophesied, Brother Mark, you quoted this scripture in Zechariah 9 and 9. 
it said, your king is going to come to you, Israel. And, and he had read that prophecy. He knew of that prophecy. He knew of the prophecy of Isaiah. Unto you, unto you, a child is going to be born. A son is going to be given. This, this scroll that you see in front of you is a reproduction of the book of Isaiah from the Dead Sea Scrolls. That's exactly what it looks like. And Candace, if you were to roll it to chapter 9, verse 6, you would see written in Hebrew, unto you a son is given. A child is born. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the same scroll that we can read today is the type of a scroll that Simeon had read in the temple to him. And it said, a king is going to come. And he lived under that promise. The Bible says that he was just, and the Bible says that he was devoted to the Lord. Two great characteristics. I wish we had a bunch of just people over here, and I wish we had a bunch of devoted people over here. And I wish that our, our mark before the Lord, Sister Sarah, would be that we were just people, that we, we treated people fairly. It's a good thing to, to have justice in this world. It's a good thing to be devoted to the Lord. Remember what James says. You don't get to pick just a relationship with God without it affecting your relationship with people. Listen to me. If you're truly devoted to God, you'll be just in your dealings with people. Don't come in here and talk in tongues every Sunday and run around the building with tears streaming down your face when they play the keyboard, but then I find out on Tuesday you've been cussing your coworkers and you've been treating people wrong, cheating on your taxes and, and lying and stealing. No, 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 no. If we're devoted, Brother Harris, we're going we're gonna to be just with the people. The vertical relationship affects the horizontal relationship. How you love him affects how you'll treat people. Somebody else say amen right now because this is very good preaching. I'm telling you, it's important for us to be devoted and just. Simeon was that. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was on him. I want to make a very clear point right now, just for the sake of it. Just because the Holy Spirit is upon our lives, it doesn't mean that we have been baptized and filled with his Spirit. It's important to move on that what is on us gets in us. Okay? You can take a shower and water's on you. When you take a drink, water's in you. All right? Preposition. <laughs> We're just talking plain English here. When you receive the baptism of the Spirit, it doesn't just visit your life. You don't just travel with it. It travels inside of you, and, and it comes out of you, and the Bible likes it to a river that comes out of you. It's not just a visitation. It's an indwelling. Simeon had, had, had an experience with God. He was brought by the Spirit to the, to, to, to the temple, and the Bible says that when he came to the temple, he saw Jesus. He had been promised that he would see him. And when he saw the fulfillment of promise, he responded. My wife beautifully illustrated today and said, when you feel God's presence, it's important to respond. Now, you know, one of you is going to lift a hand. One of you may give a kind of a whoop. You know, one of you may, may shuffle your feet and dance. One of you may clap your hands. One of you may bow your heads. It, it, I don't think that God is looking for a particular means of response so much as he is someone who means their response. Do you understand what I'm saying? That, that we reach out to God with what we have and offer something to him to respond to his presence. But I, I, in my mind, the Bible doesn't tell us. Mother Mosher, it's almost to me like, I mean, what person would go up and just grab somebody's kid? That's weird. To me, I just think Simeon was so overtaken with joy. I, I Undoubtedly, the Spirit must have revealed that the Christ child was the Messiah. Amen. 
And undoubtedly, when he saw what he had been praying for all of his life, in my mind, he just got overwhelmed and he couldn't help himself. And he just ran and grabbed that kid and Mary and Joseph's eyeballs are like this. And he just says, Lord, this is it. This is what I've been praying for. The king that I've been waiting for. You have kept your promise. And now you can let me go. I'm ready because I know Israel is going to have a consolation. And I know that the Gentiles are going to have a witness. And I know that the Messiah, the promised king, has come. The Christmas story is about God making good on the checks that he has written to humanity. It is about God covering the promises that he has made. The Christmas story is about God saying, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. I've had the plan all along, but I'm unfolding my plan. And now what you have believed, you're going to begin to see. The Christmas story is about God putting flesh and blood, meat and bones into the spiritual promises that he's made to humanity. Every time you look at red and green this year, I hope you remember that God is faithful to perform his promises. With every gift that's given and every gift that's received, I hope you'll remember that God is faithful to perform his promises. With every meal that you eat and every song that you sing and every carol that you listen to and every car that you send and every one you receive, I hope you remember this. God is faithful to perform his promises. And just like Simeon was able to lay his hands on what he had believed for all his life, if you will keep walking with God today, Christian, hear me today. Hear the words of this preacher. You will see what God has promised you. He will perform what He has told you He would perform. And He will do what He has said that He will do. Let's love the Lord together today. Christmas, Christmas, we look back to a fulfilled promise. And we rejoice with Simeon that yes, God did step down off the throne of heaven. And Brother Roy, he did put on human flesh and he robed himself in that flesh and he came to us. Paul said the mystery of godliness is God was received. He was believed on in the world and received up into glory. That The mystery of godliness is that the fullness of the Godhead was in Christ and he was reconciling the world to himself. He, 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 he brought redemption to his world and reconciliation to his people. Simeon's hope was not a false hope, but it was a fulfilled promise that God made on that first Christmas season. But that is not the end of the Christmas story. There's a second promise of a second coming of the same king. Simeon lived all his life looking for the appearance of Jesus. And we have lived all of our lives looking for the appearance of Jesus. And I'm telling you, Jim, Christmas is proof that the second coming will be a fulfilled promise. Just like he came once, he's going to come back again. And just like he kept his promise to Simeon, he's going to keep his promise to covenant people today. Just like he kept his promise to the Jewish people to come in flesh, so he's going to keep his promise to covenant people of God today. And he's going to come to rule and reign on this earth. He came to a manger the first time, but he's coming to a throne the second time. He wore a crown of thorns the first time, but he will wear all the crowns that we cast at his feet the second time. He is coming again. We're living under the promise of a king. And just like he kept his first promise, he's going to keep his second promise today. Would you stand with me? Simeon was not the only person of covenant who has looked for 
and is looking for the coming of a king. We look back to the miracle of the first coming, but as a redeemed church, we look forward to the glory of the second coming. When he comes again, listen to me, he's going to wipe all tears from our eyes. What he started in Jesus at Easter, God is going to do for this entire planet when he comes again. He is going to renew and restore and redeem all of creation. Read Romans 8 and read it slowly. What he started in your life, he's going to do for the whole universe when he reveals himself, when he comes again. Brother Roy, we're not just being emotional about a God that we love. We are being intentional about a prophecy that's going to be fulfilled. And when you look at the manger scene, you see a sweet little baby. But when he steps on the Mount Olivet, he's going to rule and reign. And we're going to rule and reign with him, Sister Mary. We are looking for his second appearing. Christmas, I look back. But I also look forward to the advent of his second coming. We stand as the advance guard of his kingdom people, ready to welcome him as a rightful ruler of his own realm. My Bible tells me that he's looking for a people. Willie, you're looking for Jesus. But did you know you're looking, he's looking for you? The Bible says he's looking for a people that rejoice at his appearing. When's the rapture going to happen? How will we know? Will I be ready? Plan of salvation, repent. Be born of water. Be born of the Spirit. But am I ready today? Let me give you a little test. Caleb, he's coming for a people that enjoy his appearing. Are you looking for his appearing today? If you came to church and said, I can't wait till we sing those songs. I don't know what they're going to sing, but I can't wait to get my hands in the air because I just love the presence of God. I love it when he appears. Hear what Janice said today? When he appears, respond. Why? Because when he comes that second time, he's coming, Candace, for the people that love his appearing. Don't wait till that day to love when Jesus appears. I, Alex, I wouldn't embarrass you for the world. I love you. But today I was so excited. I, I just looked around and Alex was just responding to the Lord. Many of you were, but my eye just happened to fall back there toward Mary and Alex. Grandmother and granddaughter, side by side, gen, intergenerational, hands lifted, welcoming the presence of God. That's the kind of people that Jesus is coming for, that love his appearing. Simeon, thank you for showing us how to respond. Thank you for living a life, Simeon, of justice and devotion. Thank you, Simeon, for showing us that waiting on the Lord is not wasted time. Thank you, Simeon. You were just an ordinary guy living an ordinary life. We don't even know his occupation, his family. We don't know anything about Simeon except when he saw Jesus. He said, that's enough. How about you today? When you feel the Lord, you say, that's enough. This is enough, God. Thank you. Thank you for coming to your house. Can we just love his appearing right now? Can we just, can we just love the king right now? Can we just tell him how much we appreciate him? Can you just respond to that presence right now? Lord, I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you for appearing in your house today. Thank you, Lord, for coming today. Thank you for coming 2,000 years ago, but thank you for the thousands of times that you've appeared in my own life. Thank you for appearing, Lord, to show yourself as king and the rightful ruler of my heart. And Lord, I anticipate the day when you will come and you will set up your reign on this new earth with a new heaven, God. And I want to be one of your covenant people that is ready for that day. 
in the name of Jesus. God is faithful. The King has come. And the King is coming. The Nativity is the beautiful illustration of how God's love for us is so great that He would make up all the deficits of human failures of covenant. Come in flesh Himself to reconcile us to His own person in Christ. But just as God made good on those ancient prophecies that a king would come, so today we stand, just like Simeon, awaiting the second advent of our king. Simeon held the baby in his arms, lifted him toward heaven, and said, Lord, this is enough. I have seen enough of your faithfulness. This makes my life complete. What about us? We're going to... We're going to see the king again. And when he comes, this time it won't be as a baby. It will be to rule and to reign. But we get to be the advance guard of his royal priesthood, his kingdom people right now, building for his kingdom in the ways that he allows us and empowers us through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. What an exciting time to be alive, to look back to Christmas and forward to the second stand just in the middle of the signpost of his glory for a world that just like Bethlehem 2,000 years ago is yearning for the advent of a king. Thank you, friend, for joining us at All Into United.